0: Welcome to a very special crossover episode of the Painter Growth Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Austin Hauser, founder and CEO of Base Coat Marketing, and he interviews me about what I believe to be the perfect residential sales system. Sit back and enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Base Coat Brainiac Podcast. My name is Austin Hauser. I am Chief Brainiac over at Base Coat Marketing. If you own a painting business and you're listening in, you're in the right place. So today I have the Canadian stallion, the guy with two last names, the mastermind behind Painter Growth, Mike Gore-Hickman. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having
0: me, Austin. Man, your intro is so legit.
1: <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, we got to invest the time in these kind of things, right? It's for, yeah. it's for the fans. So Mike, before we get too far into the weeds, discussing a topic that was brought up by one of our clients but arguably i think affects every one of our clients in some capacity i'd like to start with you so mike tell us your story man where'd you come from how'd you get here today let's start with you
0: cool um you mentioned two last names so i'll touch on that briefly people are like oh is your like, wife's name gore and your last name was Hicknam, hickman and you merged it my last name was actually hyphenated in uh 1812 in ireland Uh, We found like the original documents and there was like two family farms and one was like dying without an heir. And so they ended up merging and like amalgamating assets and uh, it it was the only uh, condition that they merged the name. So it was like one of the first hyphenated names in Ireland.
1: I am so glad we got to the bottom of that because I've been wondering that this entire time. I just assumed it was the wife thing.
0: <laughs> and now you have your like your short social promo content.
1: <laughs> Here we go. Perfect. I love it. Yeah.
0: So uh, I I got in the painting um in a different way than most. I'm not a painter uh through and through. I was actually a business student and I got uh, recruited by a student painting company. Right. As there's now many you know you know people like me who have this is about a decade ago. And uh, that really introduced me into the whole painting world. And I became obsessed and absolutely in love with it. Went all in on my painting company. Uh, by the time I was about 23 years old, we were doing just shy $200,000 per month uh, in production. It was, like, was not a perfectly well-oiled machine, but it was pretty good. I had time freedom. We're making a ton of money. And then I was going to keep that going. But my uh, girlfriend at the time got a job out of in a different city, uh, in a different province, a state for Americans. And uh, I decided to shut down my business and follow her. And so it turned out to be a good idea. You now are married and have two kids. So, you know, it It was definitely a good choice. Uh, From there, I got an opportunity to work online, really, you know, in the, you know, around uh, 2015 or something like that. And I got to be a part of a a really fast growing software startup. Went from zero to about 10 million a year in three years. I led the sales team there. And, uh, And from there, Spun off my company now, paintergrowth.com. I had an opportunity to get back into painting, and, uh, and you know, trying to ride this wave and, and support the wave of really leveling up the industry with the likes of you know Nick Slavic and Jason Paris and all these other awesome people, just ripe for disruption. I, I feel like I'm here at the right time.
1: So good. So you you started with the painting company. You have the experience, the firsthand experience of what it takes to actually run a company like that, and now you have a service, a program that helps other painting company owners grow their company. Is that correct?
0: Yes. We uh, we did test out, do a little foray into the digital marketing realm. And uh, then we did digital marketing with a little side of coaching. And then we did basically digital marketing with a big side of coaching and then coaching with a side of digital marketing. And then we just earlier this year, we, we completely sunsetted our digital marketing department and we are all in on uh, coaching uh, painting contractors everywhere from startup to 3 million plus a year.
1: So good. All right. So the topic that I wanted to discuss today was actually brought up by one of our clients. And as I mentioned, I'm fairly confident whether it's recognized or not, most of our clients are struggling in this area. And that is sales. Now, because you have firsthand experience and you obviously train other painting business owners on this exact topic, I felt like this would be a good one to go an inch wide and a mile deep on. So let's get into the weeds. Let's propose I own a painting business. I do not but let's say I have a coachable personality and I need to know whether or not my sales process is even broken to begin with. So where do we start? Are we looking at close ratios? Like paint the picture here.
0: For sure, so close ratios are important. They're a very good leading indicator that will help you determine whether or not your sales process is doing good or not, but it's not the only indicator, right? If If your sales ratio is really high, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a good business. You also need to look at your gross margin on your product projects. And so if you have a solid sales rate and you're operating at a 50% gross margin, you know, then I would say that's a successful sales system. Now, um, if you are operating at like less than a 20% sales rate, but you have a really high gross margin, like a 60% gross margin, well, maybe, maybe pricing is an issue, right? So maybe we need to diagnose that. I get asked a lot, like, what is a good sales rate? Like, where should my sales rate be? It depends a little bit. If it's like an inbound, like a referral, like a friend or family member or a recommendation, those will typically close, you know, higher 70, 80% at, yep. at decent margins. But if you're talking a Facebook lead or a Google ad lead or something like that, um, try to get my clients to be around kind of between 40 and 45% closing rate while maintaining uh, good, decent margins.
1: Yeah. So that's a great breakdown of the channel that you're acquiring these leads from and ultimately the variance of those close ratios. I cannot tell you how many clients we've had who have come to us with a very successful painting business built on mostly referral based traffic, right? And they're used to that 70% close rate. And we have to literally train them that, hey, that is not to be expected in a real world advertising scenario. It's they're much colder leads, maybe slightly warm, but they do require nurturing. So let's talk about what that looks like on your end. I know you have a process and a program in place. So where do you start on on that side of things? So I think you, what
0: you want to do is start with the perfect sales process looks like and not necessarily aspire to do everything, but aspire to do as much of it as possible because it's not a it's not a game where it has to be done perfectly for it to be successful, but the more things that you do right the higher your overall success is going to be a real, you know, a, a true like perfect sales system. I actually wrote it out before this, just so I could have like a, vis- a visual of it. Um, I have like 14 points with like subpoints in each one. And like that, like I'm saying, it doesn't, you don't have to do it perfectly in order to have a high close rate, but you should be trying to do most of the things, you know, decently well. And if you do, you'll definitely notice an uptick in, in sales. Uh, the biggest shift that I see that that pe- most contractors need to make when deciding to professionalize, and I'm sure you talk about this on some of your internal calls with your clients. Um, everyone talks about this, but still, some people, some people don't do it. Is the difference between uh, looking at it as an estimate versus looking at it as a sales opportunity? And if you're doing an, if you, if you frame it in your mind as an estimate, what that what you're telling yourself is that you're going there to give the client a price or to email them the price later and having them use that as their only decision criteria. And if you are just relying on price to close a job, you're going to get underbid. You're going to get undercut, right? There's going to be undocumented workers coming in for a quarter of your price or the, you know, unlicensed companies coming in and, and just like taking all of those bids. But as soon as you, you shift to value sales, like providing value and looking at it as a sales presentation, Now your opportunity to close these jobs at higher and higher sales rates exponentially increase. So number one shift that you need to make is is not to do your numbers at home and email or text the client the price, right? The number one shift you need to make is go to your truck, go to your van, even if it takes you 30, 45 minutes to get your numbers, do the numbers right there and go back in and present your proposal to the client. If you just make that one shift with no other sales tactics, you will close way more work, (laughs) I promise
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you brought up a good point is book rate versus close rate. And ultimately looking at that is not book rate. You're not necessarily trying to book an estimate. You're trying to book a sale. And I think that's where a lot of guys look at this and they're like, oh, okay, well, my book rates X and my sales rates you know, Y, where's the breakdown happening here? And you know, the, the contrast of lead quality versus sales process issues, I feel like is also a very fine line. We have some guys who are closing 70% on Facebook. And I would argue it's not their market, but it's because of their sales process. So what does that look like on your end? I know you have a bulleted list. What's point number one and how does that tie into all of this? So
0: point number one is as soon as you generate a new lead, as soon as a new lead comes in from any source, you know, it's an email, it's a referral, it's a Google ad, it's a, from one of your marketers. We teach a lot on how to do kind of like a grassroots marketing that don't necessarily involve online channels. So whatever source it comes from, it should be inputted into your CRM. You don't have a CRM? Oh boy. Go get anyway, one. Anyway, assume you have a CRM at this point. It gets inputted into your CRM and that client should get an immediate text message and email notification saying that lead, that the basically the lead was received and that they'll sh- they should be expecting a call shortly. Okay? This is like that instant gratification. You know, personally, I've had calling different tradespeople that I need, you know, when I need work on my house, and I'll call through like five people. And if I get a voicemail, I'm just moving on to the next one. Totally. But if I get a voicemail, but then immediately I get a text that says, Hey, we're going to call you back shortly, like, okay, maybe I don't need to call the next one. So it gives you a chance.
1: Time to lead. And I completely agree with that. We try to get our clients time to lead down under 30 seconds on the phone. If we can get a text message, outbound message there, that's just as good, in my opinion. Continue. So I say,
0: Oh, yeah. Almost as good. Yeah. <laughs> you do that. Yeah. The instant one, because then that, that kind of ex- increases the, the speed to lead that you need. I, I say to it to five minutes, then you yep. have five minutes to get back to them. Yep. Right now, within those five minutes, you call that lead. Now I'm all about systems, making things easy and getting things out of your head. If you have to remember to like check your email in order to get your leads, you're never going to hit that. It's, it's not going to be attainable. So what you need to learn how to do is set up like really simple automations so that when a lead comes in, you get a text message and then you can call that lead right away. They're very easy to set up. If you go to zapier.com, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com, you can get a free account and you can hook any CRM to something called SMS by Zapier. And that means as soon as you get a new lead, you can put in your phone number and it'll send you a text message with the lead information and you can just call it. It's completely free to do. It'll take you maybe 15 minutes to learn and do it, and then you'll never have to worry about missing another lead.
1: So good. And I want to quickly plug uh, Drip Jobs at this point. So very similar process. It's all automated and done for you. Uh, So for those of you who have not heard of Drip Jobs or checked it out, go jump on that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Drip Jobs, definitely the CRM of choice for painting contractors. I I would highly recommend them. Um, But then calling the lead, what do you say in this phone call? Do you just like set up a time? Hey, this is Joanne. Okay. You're looking for some painting. Can I come by tomorrow around Around twelve, we'll be there between twelve and two. You know, (laughs) no. (laughs) So always a stickler of like, let's be as let's be as efficient, let's be as on time as we can, let's be as specific as we can about what we're doing, when we're going to be there, and any other expectations. So what we do on this first call is what I call the lights out setup call, and it is essentially a step by step. uh, I have a checklist. Um, I'll, I'll show you guys how to get this checklist as well, but but exactly what to say on this call so that the homeowner is not just thinking that this is an estimate, but they're thinking that you're coming to book a job, right? So some of the things, and actually was going to pull this up ahead of time. I don't have it in front of me, but you're going to, you know, want things like are all the decision makers there, you know, or if they're, if it's a married couple, is the husband and the wife going to be there? Uh, Are you setting the expectation? Are you doing a trial close? Are you fleshing out any objections? Are you getting scope and price and timeline all up front ahead of time so that you are prepared in order to do a successful estimate and the homeowners are mentally and psychologically prepared to make a decision on the spot, right? The sales process starts right there, not when you get to the customer's house.
1: So that brings up an important question uh, and that is pre-qualification. How much pre-qualification do you do on that very first call?
0: Good question. It depends a little bit on the contractor Uh, and the, the factors that it will depend on will be like, how, how busy are you? Like really are you are you still doing sales but you shouldn't be because you, you're doing 80k a month? Or are you like are you still like slugging along at 10, 20,000 per month and you, and you need every job you can get. right? So if you are more in like the more desperate phase, then I would do less qualification and, and like disqualify fewer. But if you're like if you are already scaled up and your time is very very valuable, then you're going to want to do a lot more qualification so that you can have a more sure thing when you actually get to the house. Does that make sense? This is
1: a topic that we've actually brought up on several internal calls with our clients. I'm curious, what kind of pre-qualification questions do you recommend inserting into your sales process once you reach that point of time optimization?
0: Good question. So there's a, I mean, I, I get asked all the time, like, should I give a ballpark price over the phone? If you're talking to the homeowner and it's very clear that they're um, just price shopping, then I would say, yes, it's okay to give them a price over the phone because then that gives them a chance to disqualify themselves. Uh, the best way that I have found to deal with that and try to like flush out if, it, um, if they're actually price shopping or if they're serious about the job is by doing what I call a trial close on this setup call. And the way that you do a trial close is, is quite simple. It's, uh, all right, Joanne. Um, it's been great talking to you so far today. Now I have you scheduled for an estimate at Wednesday at, you know, 9am. Uh, um, when we come out, here's what's going to happen. And, uh, what I'm going to do is write up a detailed proposal showing you exactly, you know, what we're going to be doing step-by-step, step, all the processes and products. Um, if you feel like you can trust us and the prices within your budget, are you going to be ready to move forward? Love that. And so what this does is it, 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 um, it gets them to start thinking from I'm getting a quote to now assessing you as like, do I trust this person? So it's it's like very subtle, but it's a very important shift to make for a homeowner who, who might who might have picked up the phone just thinking about a price. But then you ask them that and, and they now have to confront this, right? It's like, oh, are we actually, you know, they, maybe she looks over at her husband. Oh, are we actually thinking about doing this now? It's like, oh, well, I, yeah, I guess maybe we are. And then they hang up and then they can talk about it. Like, oh, he's actually coming to book a job. So it gives them more opportunity to have that discussion instead of you like blindsiding them at the estimate, t- telling them they need to make a decision when they're not mentally ready. That comes across as disrespectful and we want to avoid that.
1: Yeah, I think you have two really important points there and that is one, ensuring you're playing in the same ballpark, right? You don't want to go out and quote a cabinet painting job. They're only willing to spend $1,000 and it's a $8,000 project, right? Um, and the second is the timing and how soon they're looking to get started. And that that really helps avoid some of those tire kicker price shoppers who are kind of looking for a general price and maybe three to six months from now, they're actually looking to jump in.
0: Exactly. Uh, and if they're only looking, if they are only looking for a price, that's totally fine, right? But let's just respect that. Let's follow our process and let's give them the price and just just explain the expectation. All right, Joanne, like I can give you an, an estimate price, but we actually don't come out just to give Uh, pricing will come, we come out when people are serious about actually getting the project done soon. So for this project, it'll be anywhere from like six to 10 K. And when you're a little bit closer to actually getting the project done, I'll come out and give you a detailed
1: cost for the project. How does that sound? And the thing that I always love to add to that is it's because prices change and it's, and way that you can describe it to that prospect that they're going to understand is we're in an economy, everything fluctuates, prices typically go up. So the prices I quote you today may not be accurate three to six months from now. And that's a very easy way to just to close out that call. Yep.
0: Yeah. Prices change, you know, quotes are only valid for 30 days. might change a little, might change a lot. So let's just save everyone some time. I'll give you a ballpark. And when you're serious, you know, call back. And then if you have your stuff together, That's where you put them into a nurture sequence where they get an email every two to four weeks from you just automatically. And then as soon as they're ready, they'll give you
1: a call. One of my other favorite pre-qualification questions is asking if they've ever worked with a painting contractor before. And if so, what that experience was like. It really helps you avoid that 2% of crazy that it's really hard to put a KPI or a static number on that. Uh, Where if they're like, yeah, I worked with the guy before, but you know, X, Y, and Z, he didn't show up or he didn't clean up after himself or whatever their unrealistic expectations might be. That's how you kind of sidestep some of those red flags and avoid a pain in the ass client.
0: Yeah, it can, it, can, it can highlight red flags, but it can also, that's a very good question to get, uh, get needs and, and uh, basically like the, your ammunition that you need in order to close that job. If they had, you know, hired a contractor, say they hired a roofer who, you know, their only complaint was they left, you know, nails all over the yard. It's like, okay, well, job site cleanliness is is important to them, right? Something like
1: that. So, all right, we have picked up the phone. We got that prospect to call. uh, We've scheduled an estimate. We've nailed down a time. And I want to actually hammer down on that point one more time, the timing of that. You don't give them a range. You give them a specific time. Now, one pain point of our clients is probably going to be, okay, well, I don't know what traffic's going to be like that day. Or... You know, I have an estimate right before that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it on time. That's why I give a range. How do you combat that? I think
0: that any reason that someone gives for not being able to make an estimate on time is just an excuse. And you need to develop your own personal responsibility and personal accountability. And and also set, set your estimate schedule in a way where you can achieve it. If you're booking your estimates so close together that you don't know if you're going to get out in time. Well, don't book them that close together, right? Give yourself that extra 30 minutes. If you know, if you're in LA, you know, and you know that you have a 45 minute drive, six blocks away, like, you know, give yourself enough time to get there, set realistic expectations. Maybe you only do one estimate every evening instead of two. Um, And if you can set up these realistic expectations and then only book estimates within those confines, you're going to be a lot more likely to be successful. Um, drip jobs, or I like to use Calendly for booking, you can pick exactly what dates and times you want estimates to go so then, if you or your salesperson or your, your marketer or anyone like that is booking estimates for you, they can only book within those specific parameters. Um, and then what I, as an additional thing that I always do, that i love and it's so over the top but it's so simple you're going to set yourself apart by doing this like crazy if you're on your way to an estimate say you got them booked for six o'clock and you're driving and you're looking at google maps and it's saying you're going to be there at 602 call the homeowner and say hey i'm running two minutes late sorry but i will be there at 602 is that okay okay Oh my gosh, you're going to be two minutes late. Don't worry about it. That was totally, that's totally fine. You didn't have to call. No, it's important to me. I'll see you at 6.02. And then you show up at exactly 6.02 and they're like, wow, that was incredible. And that does more than just let them know you're going to be late. But that, that shows them that if you respect their time down to the minute, you're going to respect their home.
1: I like to use the analogy in that exact scenario of going to a restaurant I always tell my wife, I would rather pay for good service than good food any day. So like you can go get some great food, but if that service sucked, it ruins the whole experience. Right. And that is exactly the same point. I love that. So we get out to this, this prowess, we're ready to do an estimate. What happens next?
0: On that last point that you said, um, I'm just thinking through this right now. And, uh, you know, painting is, I'm talking standard house painting, drywall, trim doors, cabinets, whatever. Like It's pretty much productized, right? Meaning like a a homeowner, it doesn't really know the difference between a good company and bad company. They're just going to hope that the company that shows up is going to do a good job and the homeowner is is paying for a specific outcome and they're paying for the same outcome from any company. So the only way to differentiate yourself is through service. Like you said, it's like if there's a hundred burger joints and every place sold the same burger. Well, which one are you going to go to? You're going to go to the one that makes you feel the best when you're there. So how can you make your homeowners feel good throughout their whole process, feel taken care of? There's so many bad experiences with contractors. Don't be another contractor that provides bad experiences to the homeowners. Like be a good one, be a diamond in the rough, be someone that they can like tell their friends about. I can't believe I had this painter come over and he, he was two minutes late and he called me that he was going to be two minutes late. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, of course we hired him. Here's this card. You guys should
1: call them too. Overwhelming customer experience. It's like literally one of our core values here at Basecoat Marketing. And it, it holds true for any industry, any any vertical. If you have an overwhelming customer experience, the results side of that doesn't mean as much.
0: Yeah, 100%. And and the people listening to this saying, yeah, I'm a master painter. I've been painting this many years and I can paint circles around the, the company. Okay but nobody cares. (laughs) Sorry, break it to you. I'm hurting some feelings and there's someone gripping their steering wheel while they're driving right now because they're so upset, but nobody cares. They're going to need you to paint their walls and their trim and you better do a good job, right? That's the expectation. Okay. So you nailed the expectation. Now, what, what can we do over and above that to actually make a difference in the eyes of the homeowner?
1: Also, I think we're arguing between owning a job and owning a business, right? Like if you are the best painter out there, great. You own a job. You cannot walk away from that. You can't go on vacation for two weeks. You can't scale that, you know, you need scalable processes and systems to own a business. And that's really where that overwhelming customer experience comes into play.
0: Absolutely. So So, book the estimate. Yeah. Book the estimate. Customer gets another uh, confirmation email and text message. Hey, thanks for booking an estimate with blueprint painting. Um, your book for this time, you know, click this link to see some before and after pictures or click here to view our website, just some sort of way to keep them engaged. I recommend a confirmation at the time, right when they book uh, 24 hours before, and then one hour before both uh, text and email on each of them. And then a pro tip that most people don't do, but is such an extra, like w- um, what did you call that? Uh, your customer service,
1: overwhelming customer overwhelming.
0: customer service if you or a marketing assistant of yours can drop off a pre-estimate package, a physical pre-estimate package at the homeowner's house the day before your estimate, this will blow them away. Now, all this has to be is like a manila envelope or a job folder, you know, those glossy bi-fold job, you know, folders with like your image, like before and after a logo with a couple of things inside. You can leave some paint swatches, an expectations document, like what's going to happen at the estimate, some before and after pictures, maybe some printed out customer reviews. And that's it, right? You print this out, it costs you $2. You have someone send, uh, drop it off the day before their estimate. That will blow people away.
1: So that is fantastic. And I, I want to add one thing to that, that we do on the digital side. And that is presenting a picture of the person that's going to be knocking on their door. That human face interaction, or even a little about story about that person's family and why he's in this industry to begin with, that has that personalized touch where when they show up at that door, they know exactly who's going to be ringing their doorbell. And that just leads to that personalized relationship that you're looking to build during that entire sales process.
0: I just wrote that down on my list. I'm adding that. (laughs) That's so good. Sweet. Um, Yeah. Never. uh, There's there's always more to learn. That's what I love about this. You never know it all. Now we get to the estimate. So once you get to the estimate, now here's where the you know traditional sales aspect will begin, right? So hopefully you did your setup effectively enough where both homeowners are there, right? And they have at least an hour set aside for this estimate. So I'm just going through my process and I'll have like a bunch of like cheat sheets and downloads and video training that I'm actually giving all the listeners of this podcast for free. So if you go to paintergrowth.com slash base coat, um, you can get... All of my resources, my sales process, completely free. Incredible. Buy anything. So basically, um, you're going to show up exactly on time, right? Then the first thing that you're going to do is not talk about the project. The first thing that you're going to do is try to sit at that kitchen table, right? You know, say, "Hey, can we sit down for a minute? I want to just like I want to discuss your project, but just like so we can sit down and chat for a couple minutes. Cool. All right. Now here, we're you're going to ask a few important questions. Have you ever hired a contractor before? What was your experience? What's important to you when hiring a painter? Have you ever had a bad experience with a contractor? Is there anything unique about your job that you should know, that we should know? And as you're asking these questions, you need to be writing down the answers <laughs> because the answers to these questions are going to be the keys to what's going to allow you to close the job at the end. So if you're um, booking a job and, uh, or a homeowner about a job and they're telling you that, all of their drapes are really important, imported from Italy or whatever. And you don't mention that on your proposal at the end of the job, you lost it. There's not a chance. But if they tell you about their drapes and you have a whole section in your proposal where it's like customer has imported drapes from Italy, um, remove, store in plastic bags on site in the garage, uh, then reinstall according to you know exactly how they were you know when you took them down. If you have that written on the proposal... They're gonna get there. And the, if the only time that they told you about those blinds is at the sit in the kitchen table and then you brought it back, they're gonna be like, Wow, this person listens to me, right? It's huge. And then obviously you need a way to communicate that with the, your, your painter gonna do the job, which is a whole nother conversation. But but yeah, like that type of thing. You wanna, you wanna listen to those things that aren't necessarily paint related because nine out of ten clients don't care what type of product you use, they don't know what emerald is, they don't care if you use Benjamin Moore or Sherwin Williams. It does not matter to them. What matters to them is Are you going to take care of their shit?
1: And the act of listening, I think, is so important. And that is just listening to what they have to say. Don't over speak them. Don't talk over them. It's um, so important. Those little details can make the world of a difference.
0: Absolutely. So once you do that and you understand the scope and their timeline and anything unique about it, now you're going to do a walk around or a walk through. I call it a walk around if it's outside, a walk through if it's inside. And what you're going to do here is have the homeowner walk through your their home walk around their home with his an exterior and have them point out everything that they want painted. Don't just tell you that they want the siding and trim painted, actually walk around and have them point it out. What this does is this gives you an opportunity to talk about your processes and uh, potentially products as you're going through It's like oh, if you can see your window sills, you have some uh, peeling paint here so what we're actually going to do is we use carbide scrapers we're going to scrape off all the old paint. We're going to use 120 grit sandpaper. We're going to sand it down, brush it off, and then we're going to use a water-based primer. We're going to seal it, let that dry, and then do two full coats of semi-gloss paint. That's what we do in this situation. Any questions about that? So what you're doing, you know, you're you're showing exactly what you're doing. You're flexing your muscle, and you're showing them that you're you're, you're going to take care of their home, right? It's, it's really cool to be able to actually, like, Touch a homeowner's house in front, like with them, and and kind of share that experience because you're going to really um, develop a lot of of trust and rapport during that time.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing I wanted to nail down there is that we actually use a uh, a quote within base coat marketing, and that is, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And really, what it ties into that is you know you're explaining to them why you know why what you're doing is important and, and the fact that you're an expert in this field. But then tying back to the details aspect of this, it's all about the fact that you care about them and what is most important to them. So allowing them to point these things out, it's, it's critical. So you're walking around the house, you're walking through the house, talking about their project, what next?
0: I like to use assumptive language when I'm doing the walk around. Now this is a small like psychological tip, but saying things like, oh, in, um, you, know, you don't say things like, if we get the job, we're gonna do this. It's like, when we're here, we're gonna put our tools. Right, we put a crew kit just like this and here's the like where the box and the drop cloths will be and that uh, we put drop we're going to put drop cloths right under your uh the whole side of the house here right so anytime once once we start scraping all the paint the paint is going to fall in the drop cloth and we'll be able to clean it up clean it up leaving your uh, yard beautiful when we're here we are going to be doing this process on this part of the house right very assumptive future pacing language and once you've gotten enough information you're going to give them the expectation that you're going to go to your vehicle to write out the proposal and come back and present it to them. So, okay, Joanne, I'm going to go back to my car to write up your proposal. It should take me about 20 minutes or however long it's going to take you. Are you guys going to be available for me to come back and, and present the proposal to you? And then hopefully, you know, they are because you've set the expectations so far and, and that's what you go do. You go to your vehicle, you write out the proposal, do any measurements that you need to do, uh, be as detailed as you can refer back to the previous notes, you know, from your initial conversation and write up that detailed proposal. And when you come to the price, this is just a thing that I recommend. Never give a, a round number. It's going to be three K. You want to give a specific number down to a penny because that shows that more thought went into it. So instead of 3000, maybe $3,048 and 12 cents. Yep. right because now it's like oh i'm i'm not eyeing just a roundabout number where there's time room for negotiation there's actually time thought and like attention that's gone into this price so there's there is room for negotiation
1: yeah and the so if you walk away from the house without giving an estimate you are working in the early 2000s late 90s right we have so much technology today there's so much training and documentation out there guys you need to be giving giving an estimate before you walk away from the house it will Cut your margins, or it'll it'll cut your close ratio in half, if you don't do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it adds work you, you do at night. I, you know, I've customers I talk to, clients I talk to, and they're like, yeah, like when I get home, I have a stack of estimates I need to tackle, and like sometimes it's a week or two until I get back to them. Well, guess what? You're not winning that job. So what are you spending money on marketing for?
1: Yeah.
0: So. Go to the vehicle, write it up and, and write a detailed proposal, right? We have a, we have a proposal template that you can get for free that you can write up. Just it's a handwritten one. Um, you can get a lot of digital ones as well. But again, paintergrowth.com slash base coat, get that template for free. Um, but you really want to figure out what those important things are, right? Was it attention to detail? Was it job site cleanliness? Was it timeliness being on time? Like, did they, did they complain that all the previous contractors they've hired, there was no communication or they're always late, right? Write that in if that's important to them. Um, do they have pets? Are, are pets important? Like, do they have a dog? We want to make sure the dog doesn't get out. And then um, what, what I recommend if you're just doing the written proposal is, is like write up your handwritten proposal um, on your template and then just take a picture of it. So you have your digital copy and then you give the homeowner the, the, rented, the great copy.
1: Simple but effective. I love that.
0: Yeah. So the best system is the one that you're going to follow. And if it's super easy, then you're more likely to follow it. Simple scales. Then you want to knock, knock lightly when you're coming back in. And one thing that I recommend doing is, uh, before <laughs> this is a little pro tip, I, I uh, you do this if you're comfortable, right? If you're like a little bit more like forward, you can definitely do this. So when you're setting the expectation with the homeowner that you're going to come back in, uh, and present the job, you can just ask, okay, Joanne, do you mind if I let myself in when I'm done writing the proposal? And so, you know, who, who lets, who lets themselves into your house, Family. your, your best friends and your family. So if you let yourself, by getting permission to let yourself into their home, you are now like subtly reclassifying yourself from stranger and contractor to friend. And uh, it actually works. It, most people will say yes, like they don't care. And then, you know, as you come in, you knock lightly, like not knock lately, let yourself in and announce yourself. So you're not like being sneaky or anything, but just that simple fact of having permission to open a door, open the front door without them explicitly being there is, is huge. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to sit back at the kitchen table and uh, discuss the details. So what I typically like to do is when I'm presenting my proposal, we have it in order. So we ha- we cover, we covered the proposal with a piece of paper and then go down line by line. So we start with the prep, the setup, the priming, the, the, the paint, the special considerations, and then we get to the price. So we, we uncovering the paper as we go. Um, you can start with the price. You can open with the price and then work back on how you got there. That's totally fine. And then, um, you want to do a trial close. So you're not going to go for the close right away. You really want to do a trial close before you officially ask for the job. So when you get to the price, you show it and you ask them, do you feel this is a fair price for the work that we're going to be doing for you? Right? So here you like, you're not saying, can I have the job? You're saying, do you feel this is a fair price for the work that we're going to do? Okay. Um, then they're going to say yes or no right? If they say no, it's not. It's like, oh, is then now now we have a price objection. We could talk for an hour about pricing objections, but basically if you have a money objection, you need to separate it from, is it more than they're willing to pay? Meaning is it just more than their budget is and they don't want to spend that much? Or do they think it's too expensive for the work that you're going to do? And so each one of those, segmenting those is really important because you tackle them differently. If it's more than they want to pay, but they see the value Now it's about breaking down the job into smaller pieces. Okay, well, what is your budget? How much do you want to spend? Maybe we can get rid of the bathroom for this project. Or maybe we can, you know, get rid of the hallway or only do the bedrooms or not do the closets or whatever. Like like piece it down so that it does fit their budget. Now on the flip side, if it's, if they don't have the value, if they don't see that the value is there, meaning like it's, they think it's too expensive for the work that you're going to do. You either haven't built enough value or you've priced yourself too high. So To increase the value, a little little tip that I like is is really kind of explaining where you got this price from. Now, you don't have to explain your estimating method, but you can say, all right, you might be able to get this job cheaper. There's only three ways that someone can do this job for less. Number one, they can pay their painters less. Now, I'd like to pay my painters fairly above market rate because I want to make sure that you have great people in your home. Okay. Number two, they can use cheap products. I'm using top of the line, blah, blah, blah. These are the products. And I, I don't like to use cheap products. So we're using good products. And I expect you want good products in your home as well for increased durability. Or we can rush the job. We can get this job done in fewer hours, which means we're going to be cutting corners. Now, I don't think that you want cheap cheap labor, cheap products, or a rush job. Do you? Okay. Well, if you don't want any of those things, this is the price to complete this project properly.
1: Ask cheap or good. You can't have all three. Pick two. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, 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 and, you know, as far as price objections go, I feel like that's where so many guys fail. They just look at that as like, ah, uh, it's a bad lead, you know, it's a it's myself out, or that's just, they don't have the right mindset. And it really comes down to your sales process. And there are so many things you can do from that point on, as you mentioned, you could spend an entire day or month talking about that. Yeah. But I, I would like to just pause there for a moment, because I think that is honestly one of our biggest pain points with any time that we deliver a lead to a client. They're like, yeah, it was a bad lead. They were just, uh, they didn't have the right budget in mind. It's like, all right, you have to nurture that. And we don't even talk about pricing at this point until you're in their house. You've walked through the whole project, you've presented them the estimate, and then we start dealing with that price objection. So, are there any other tips or, or uh, strategies that you can implement to help reduce the price objection or kind of skirt around the edge there?
0: Obviously, if you've done everything that we've mentioned already you're on time you're professional i didn't mention it at the at the start like when you're showing up to an estimate you really don't want i i recommend being in in painter whites you know be be clean um be well dressed the better that you present yourself the more value that they're going to think you deserve really if you come in covered in paint, you just got off site they're going to think you're going to price the job like a painter not like a painting company right and that's not what we want um one way to disassociate the price with actually getting the job is by using a deposit and really presenting the deposit first. So, you know, say, okay, so Miss uh, Joanne or Miss Homeowner, how do you like to, you know, talk to your customers? Um, the total price to get this entire job done with all of these things that we talked about, we already went through for the last 10 minutes. Um, the entire price is $6,012.41. Now all we need today is a 20% deposit to lock in lock you in the schedule, and that's just twelve hundred and one dollars. So how would you like to handle that deposit? So sure. now you're not making them make a six thousand dollar decision. You're making them make a twelve hundred dollar decision. And that's a lot easier to stomach.
1: Yep. And then on the back end of that, it's a smaller number there too. And you know, especially if you're booking them out a couple of weeks, they're gonna have a paycheck or two between now and then, and that that'd be a much more realistic number. So I think uh, you know, price objections are are important to to practice and to role play and to really nail that down so you feel confident and comfortable handling those. Cause yeah. I think that's where, like I said, 90, 95% of guys fail at that.
0: I mean, in our training, we have like a whole video series on handling the price objection. Like we, it's, it's the whole thing about all of the problems that uh, we as painting business owners uh, face is that it's all been done before, right? We're not solving new problems. It's all been perfected to the nth degree. And now as a business owner, It's your job to wade through all the crap and figure out what information you need to pay attention to and what information you need to ignore. And so that's like, you know, that's really what you can find anything you want online for free. Everything that you want to learn is on Google somewhere, but you have to trade your time for wading through all that. And then you need to make a million decisions on is this important? Is this valuable or is this not? Do I pay attention to this or do I get rid of it? And so that's kind of like what, what we do as a coaching business is we save you that time from having to wade through it and really curate specific uh, systems and content so that you don't have to do all of that. You just save time. Okay, here's number one, here's number two, here's number three, I'm gonna implement them all because they're all great and they've been proven, right? So that's really what you're getting with a coaching organization is that collaboration so that you're not having to spend hours and hours and hours figuring out which direction to go. Is this a good YouTube channel? Is this a bad YouTube channel? And then
1: YouTube got rid of the down thumbs
0: down uh, thing too. So you can't even see if it's not popular. That's just a little side rant.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. And I, I think Jason Ph- Phillips says uh, you can avoid p- paying the dumb tax by hiring a coach, right? Perfect. And yeah. I, I invest, invest in coaching, right? And it's because it works. It's how you, it's the, the cheat code to life. It's how you sidestep all of those potholes and get to where you're going from, you know, point A to point B as quickly as you possibly can. So I have a, I
0: have a client, um, and I, I would classify him now as a, as a friend. Um, he is a nationally ranked Brazilian jiu-jitsu martial artist, right? So he, he comes on the national level in uh, purple belt, and he, he wins tournaments, and, like, he's very, very hot there. And so I asked him one day, I said, where would you be in Brazilian jiu-jitsu without coaching coach? He's like, dude. That's not even a question. Like I'd be a white belt. I'd be getting my butt kicked on every single, in every single uh, match, right? Because uh, you just so much to learn. There's the technique, there's the moves, there's the subtleties, there's the repetition. There's so much to learn in something like BJJ that to become an, a master, if you don't have a coach, it's it's not just improbable, it's impossible, right? So why... Why is there a disconnect between sports like that and business? Whereas most business owners don't think that they need a coach just because it's business. It's the exact same as if you went into a BJJ gym with no coaching and just imagine going to that gym every single day and just going up against opponents who get coaching and just every single day. And you're, you're, you're hopefully you're learning every time you get your ass kicked, but (laughs) you just, you just keep going in every single day, every single day. It's like, maybe I should have a coach. Maybe that would make this a little bit easier then you start doing some coaching and then you start learning some moves and you start kicking butt way faster. Like, well, wh- which way would you prefer?
1: It's, it's, I totally agree. It makes so much sense to take the fast track, invest in yourself. There is nothing better that you can invest in than your personal growth and being a business owner, being a leader, not owning a job, but owning a business, it's, it's the cheat code to life. I cannot mm-hmm. recommend it enough. So Mike, we've gone through a long sales process here. What are we missing on the back end of that? Is there any other bullet points on that long list of years that you would like to touch on here? The, the
0: the thing, so like having a great sales process is great, but as long as it all relies on you, steps are going to get missed. You're going to get busy. You're going to forget to do the setup call. You're going to show up a couple minutes late. The the, pre, the pre-estimate The pre package isn't going to get dropped off. If it relies on you, it's going to get messed up. I tell my team all the time, like, I'm pretty like, on a guy like i'm you know i can see on top of a lot but i tell my team if you're assigning something to me like it has to be in my calendar or it is not getting done right it's just i have too much on the go and i recognize that and i let my team know that so that the expectation is there right the same expectation should be with you you need to start building your company and doing these things with the mindset in mind of one day i'm not going to be the one doing this okay so how do you get started with creating systems it's easier than you think. People are so scared of systems, but it's so easy. Okay. Here's how you do it. And again, templates on all of this for free paintergrowth.com slash Um, step one, open up a Google doc. Step two, write down a list of all of the things you do in a certain process. So we're talking about the sales process right now, write down a list of just every single thing that you do and be as detailed as you can. Okay. New lead comes in, they get the text message. I do the setup call. Here's the outline. Uh, You know, we send the estimate package. Here's how we find their address. Here's how, you know, like literally be as detailed as you can. Think if you were in third grade reading this, could you do it effectively? That's how detailed you want to be. Okay. Then step three is pick which one of those things is going to be easiest for you not to do first. So say the pre-estimate package, right? Say this is one thing that you can easily disconnect from the rest of the sales process. You can have somebody else do. Okay. Let's figure out now how we can automate this and get ourselves out of it. So it happens every single time. Um, I wrote a little step-by-step on how to do it for this specific one. So if you have a marketing assistant or a, 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 some sort of assistant, some sort of help, some other person that's not you in your business, then you can get this done right away. Okay. So. Earlier, we were talking about Zapier, as soon as an estimate gets booked, all you do is automate an email to this assistant, to this marketing person that says, please drop off a pre-estimate package at this address, write this name on the front and do it by this time. And then it's done. And then you teach them how to do it. You give them the estimate packages. And now every time you book an estimate, that email or that text goes to your marketing person. And now that's their responsibility.
1: Never have to do it again. And that's a system
0: that you just put in your company and now it's done. Like, sure, you might need to make sure they still have estimate packages. But now as you get and find more and more systems, you can maybe teach them how to build the estimate packages, teach them how to go to staples. And then all they have to do is submit an invoice to you for expense reimbursement, right? You can keep going a step further. I say all the time that your ability, this is is my quote, this is like my quote of my business. So write this down. One day I want someone to quote me on this. Your ability to scale your business is limited only by your ability to delegate more and more complex tasks. Okay, so your ability to scale your business is limited only by your ability to delegate more and more complex tasks.
1: Couldn't agree with that more.
0: You got painting, hire a painter, delegated. You got sales, hire a salesperson, delegated. But now once you start having to delegate things like leadership and these other like administrative things that might just be quicker for you to do than to delegate, your business is going to stop growing, right? I'm hitting a, a right now in my business where I'm getting too busy and I need to start delegating some of the higher level things that I'm doing, but I'm hitting a ceiling. So I'm working very intensely with my coach to help me level this up. Cause I recognize this weakness. So if you're recognizing a weakness where you're like, Hey, I don't know how to delegate this thing. I mean, okay. You can learn though. <laughs> it's not super hard, but it is a skill that you need to learn.
1: Couldn't agree more. Um, Whenever it comes to SOPs, and one other thing I'll add to that is AI. So I don't wanna to go too far down this rabbit hole, but whenever it comes to building out processes and SOPs, a lot of people fail at that because it, it, it's a bear or a burden to have to type all that out, right? And remember every single step in the process. But a lot of guys have no issues just talking about it. And what we've learned is creating a video or doing text to speech on your phone creating an entire process from that, just talking about it, right? Plopping that into something like Chat GPT and asking it to summarize this into a bulleted SOP with headings and bullets. And it'll spit out something that's relatively close to where you need it to be, roughly like 90, 95% of the way there. And then you might need to spend two, three minutes vetting that. And then you're done. And again, you never have to do that ever again. Once you delegate that, that's off your plate forever. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's a lot of ways to do that. If you're... You know, and- you can record yourself doing it. If it's an online thing, if it's an in-person thing, literally just like throw a phone recorder or like have someone video you doing it. It might seem a little bit awkward, but it's important. And then, and yeah, there's tons of AI tools out there that'll support you with that. I try like, you know, not overwhelm people with, cause even like using the term AI can overwhelm a lot of people if they're not super familiar with it. Um, but, uh but yeah, lots of like tools to, to help you out. And if you ever get stuck, just you know, whoever's listening to this, you guys have a ton of resources, like reach out to me, reach out to Austin, reach out to Tanner or whoever else. And um, just like ask, like, we'll happily give you free advice on any of this stuff. If you just, if you just ask, but we, we, like, there's so many people going through the exact same issues and problems uh, and tribulations that you are. Um, but if you don't ask, if you don't express it. If you just stay locked in your little bubble of your business and you don't, you shout, you're not going to get support.
1: I think uh, the best way to summarize this entire call is don't reinvent the wheel and delegate, delegate, de- develop a process for everything that you do. The sales process we just described is brilliant. There's a lot of hacks in there. And there's, this is just, in my opinion, the tip of the iceberg too. I know you have a ton of resources on your end, Mike, that a lot of guys can take advantage of. I know personally, because we have clients in your program who have succeeded brilliantly from all of that. So with that said, Mike, I do appreciate you diving into all this today. Is there anything else on your end that you would like to touch on here before I open it up to you to talk about how people can maybe take advantage of your program if they're interested in discussing what a coaching program looks like for their company?
0: Sure, sure. One one last thing, um, when you're saying delegate, 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 um, a, a big shortcoming, but a, issue, a problem, that's not it. Anyway, an issue that people fall, uh, frequently come into when they create a system to delegate is that they'll try to delegate before they do it. So we say, do the thing, get the result, and then systemize it. So, for example, if you wanted to set up like door-to-door marketers for your company, right? It's a you know, not it's a controversial controversial topic, but say that's the one that you want to uh, want to set up. It it makes sense in this example, and you hire a door-to-door person to go go themselves, and you're just expecting them to be successful, and you're just hoping that they'll be successful. That's going to fail before it even gets off the ground because you go. haven't proven the process. You need to do it yourself. You need to get the reps. You need to build the process from success, and then you can systemize it and scale it. It's the only way.
1: Yep. And when you get to a certain level, you hire leaders, you train them, and then they can work on that delegation. But you're absolutely correct. You have to be the one to own that process before you hand it off to somebody else or else it will fail every single time. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, I mean, what what I do, we have kind of two paths based on um, where you are, kind of like the 500K and less path and the 500K and more path. So if you're doing less than 500K a year, um, we have a way to really help get you started with systems, started with scaling your marketing, Uh, very uh, proven process. We've had over 350 painting contractors go through our program and uh, we have, you know, group coachings, tons of support, all the templates, all the resources, um, but you don't even need any of that because I'm giving you a whole bunch of stuff for free right now. Paintergrowth.com slash base So you can get a taste to see if you want to check out the full stuff. And then our advanced program is really, if you're doing more than 500 K and you want to scale to one, or two or three plus million, we call it our freedom program. And this is more one-on-one coaching. We have four very, very experienced coaches who've all ran multi, you know, seven and eight figure painting businesses. And uh, we basically really help you scale up on a one-on-one uh, model there. And so You know, you you have a call with us. We can see what makes sense for you, if anything, and if not, we can point you in the direction of of who can help you best. But um, regardless, I want to give you free. I want to give you that first taste for free. Really great. I'm really proud of the toolkit that I put together for this. Um, So yeah, check it out. And if that's as far as you go with us, then that's wonderful.
1: So good. So Mike, again, I appreciate your time today. I have you on this podcast because you are not only a friend of mine, but somebody that I trust recommending Guys, if you haven't seen Mike on Instagram, by the way, I don't know, you guys might be living under a rock. You're everywhere, man. So again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to jump on here and provide value. That's ultimately what we're all in this for. So like, before I let you go, is there any other last insight or last greatest thing that you want to scream from the mountaintop that if every painting business owner was doing this today, that they could instantly improve their life and their business tomorrow?
0: Yes, actually. And it's the sexiest thing in business. Yes. Priority management,
1: (laughs) be in control of
0: your time and your priorities how do you do this? So if you don't have time block, you can probably just YouTube some videos on time blocking. Um, We have a ton of training on it internally. But basically, like learn how to use a Google Calendar or an Apple calendar and block your time prioritize high impact activities. So try to delegate the low, low impact things you should not if you're doing more than 30k a month, you should not be picking up paint, you should not be moving ladders between sites, find ways to delegate those low impact tasks to your team, you know, stick to your schedule. Uh, And then also block out project time, right? So Uh, sales and marketing is super, super valuable, is 10 times more valuable. So block out time to spend on sales and marketing to spend on recruiting um, every single week, because that's the only way that you're going to move your business forward is if you can spend a lot of dedicated time on recruiting and sales and marketing.
1: Brilliant. And with that, we're out.
0: Thanks for listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.